0: This is Growing Forward, a collaboration between New Mexico PBS and New Mexico Political Report. I'm Megan Kamrek, a New Mexico PBS correspondent and news director at KUNM-FM.
1: I'm Andy Lyman with New Mexico Political Report, and today we're talking about consumption areas. Despite New Mexico's history with tuberculosis, we're not talking about sanitariums. We're talking about cannabis consumption areas, which are sometimes called consumption lounges.
0: Cannabis consumption areas are a relatively new concept that only a small number of states have started to explore. The basic concept is that these types of facilities can provide a safe place for people to use cannabis, either out of necessity or just meet with friends in a similar fashion to alcohol establishments.
1: There are a variety of reasons why cannabis consumers may want to patronize a cannabis consumption area, which we'll get to in a little bit, but first we should go through a little bit of a history lesson. The idea of consumption areas first became somewhat of a reality in 2019. We've talked about it before in previous episodes, but that year, the New Mexico legislature approved a bill that made some pretty sweeping changes to the already existing medical cannabis law. One of those changes was to allow for medical cannabis dispensaries to open a consumption area for patients to safely use their medicine. Here is Dr. Dominic Zurlo, the director of the medical cannabis program under the Department of Health.
2: So, After the legislature approved them in 2019, and that bill was signed into law by the governor. There were several public hearings with regard to the rules that occurred during that fall and winter of 2019 to to 2020. And one of the aspects of that rule was the establishment of regulations on how producers, or uh, now licensees under the new Cannabis Regulation Act, but how they could actually establish and have cannabis consumption areas which would allow for patients to be able to purchase and then consume cannabis in that location. And it did need to be attached to a current dispensary or the dispensaries could open them up, but they did have to have that option for patients to be able to purchase cannabis within the dispensary and then move into the consumption area.
1: Just a quick reminder here, up until this year when the Cannabis Regulation Act went into effect, medical cannabis was completely overseen by the Department of Health. So the approval of consumption areas in 2019 was limited to medical cannabis use and medical cannabis patients. And you might be wondering why, if these were approved, we haven't seen any pop up yet. Well, according to Dr. Zerlo, a major event in early 2020 put a damper on things.
2: In talking with many of the producers who had been considering it previously, this really was a situation where timing with the COVID-19 pandemic really influenced what individuals were doing or what the organizations were doing with regard to it. Now, of course, when the regulations were finalized, they did get promulgated in June of 2020. And so at that point, we were at the height of the pandemic. So there were public health orders against gatherings and uh, all of the various you know, protective factors to try to help reduce the spread of COVID-19. And at that point, I think what really happened and what the producers we spoke with really had let us know is that until those issues were resolved and until the pandemic really was resolved, where people could safely meet, it didn't make sense to start rearranging things within their current locations or to open up new locations with these while the restrictions were in place. Because one of the things that both the producers and the program really wanted to ensure is that these would be safe areas, not just safe with regard to being able to consume cannabis, but also making sure that it would be safe and not having situations where there was transmission of COVID-19 at that time. And I think that really was the biggest influencing factor. And then, of course, just a few months later, there was the information that the Cannabis Regulation Act was going, or at least some form of it, would be going through the legislature. And I think at that point, a lot of the licensees wanted to see what was going to happen with regard to legislation around cannabis itself. And so I think with those items and the timing of all of this happening, that just, essentially created a a situation where the producers weren't quite ready to open up cannabis consumption areas.
1: I think you've sort of started to to touch on this a little bit and I'm sure that there are plenty of New Mexicans who might be leery about this concept of consumption areas or or consumption lounges, but can you explain the importance of them, particularly on the,
2: the medical side of things? From a medical standpoint, where I would really see the consumption areas being so important, would be especially when someone is trying something they hadn't tried before. So they've gotten a new product, they're not quite sure how it's going to affect them, and that way they can use it in an area where there are other people around in case they happen to have any adverse effects. And again, we're not talking about serious adverse effects, we're talking about things where if they might potentially get nauseous, be a little little dizzy, those sort of things, so that they have that support around them. The other aspect of this is really from a, and what we really saw consumption areas being important for medical patients was that it would help to foster that community where patients could be talking with each other about their various issues, what works for them, how cannabis has really changed their lives. We hear that on a regular basis from patients, but I think that fostering that in a community setting is really important, and so in many ways, we saw, from the medical cannabis standpoint, we saw the cannabis consumption areas as being a way to help foster that community.
1: And it seems like it also helps folks who maybe are are not able to medicate, maybe smoke at their home, whether it's a rental or a government-run uh, agency, or you know some sort of housing that's that's overseen by the federal government.
2: That is another example of why this was so important. And I know one of the things that some people had made comment about initially was that, well, if we have that, will it create increases in people who are driving under the influence? And so part of the regulations actually required that the cannabis consumption areas actually have the information to ensure that the patients and the people who were utilizing the consumption area had options for safe ways to travel home.
0: As Dr. Zerlo mentioned, the idea of consumption areas sort of stalled out until the legislature approved the Cannabis Regulation Act, which allowed for consumption areas. But this time, they're not limited to medical cannabis use, and consumption areas no longer have to be physically attached to a dispensary. But now the state's Cannabis Control Division, which is under the Regulation and Licensing Department, has to essentially start from scratch in implementing rules and regulations.
1: Deputy Superintendent of Regulation and Licensing, John Blair, told us that, among other regulations, specifics for consumption areas are soon to come.
3: We are pushing as quick as we can to get these rules out. You know, beyond the three that you mentioned, the retail, the manufacturing, and the couriering, that we're having a public hearing next week, of which I want to encourage all your listeners to please participate in the public hearing next week. Send in your public comment. uh, Let us know what you think about those things. There are a handful of things that are still coming, including the cannabis establishments. Um, testing laboratories, research laboratories. We have to start issuing cannabis server permits as well. And so our goal would be, I think, to have at least some draft rules in place in the next month so that we can try to have this be in a position that by the first of the year, businesses that are interested can start taking the steps they need To have these up and running when adult use sales begin
0: these consumption areas or consumption lounges are a relatively new concept even Mm -hmm. nationally Mm -hmm. what sort of things are you looking at from other states when you're considering the proposed rules and regulations
3: to your point i don't want to say we're going to be the first ones to do it but there are not a lot of examples across the country to look at and so one of the big components i want to make sure your listeners understand as well that is fundamental to the legislation is that the law provides that a person can't own a liquor license and a cannabis license at the same time. So these cannabis consumption areas will have to be in a place that it's not, Andy's not sitting there having a beer while I'm sitting next to him having an edible. It will only be for cannabis products. So part of it will be about ensuring the health and safety of the people who are in the establishment itself, particularly if there's going to be a smoking area set aside, that because we still have to comply with the D. Johnson Clean Air Act. Um, to ensure that those of us like me who don't smoke are not being subjected to secondhand smoke of other people. And also really just about, you know, I think there's a real opportunity for us going forward about public education around responsible use of cannabis. You know, I'm 47. I've been drinking since I was 21. I have a clear sense as to what happens to me if I have one glass of wine or one beer. I don't really have that same gauge if I have one edible or another can or smoke for majority. I, I I don't quite have that. So part of it's about ensuring that if people are going to be going in public and sitting in the cannabis adoption area, that they really have a good sense of how much can they consume and still get home safely. And so a lot of it, again, is really about public safety. And then what we're hoping we can do as well is not over-regulate.
0: What's the uh, idea behind why keep them separate? Like what What is the problem if you wanted to have a beer and a joint at the same time
3: (laughs) so i would defer to the legislators who passed the bill as to why that was significant for them anecdotally i will tell you and i will preface this by saying i'm not a scientist is that my understanding is that there are compounding effects of people are consuming both alcohol and cannabis on the system and so there was a real intent to keep them separate and so we are you know already feeling calls from people who'd like to do both where, you know, we fielded some questions from restaurants who would like to serve food with cannabis in it or that sort of thing. And at least right now, the law is explicit that you can't hold both licenses.
0: We've talked a lot about local control in previous episodes, specifically how cities and counties add layers of bureaucracy to the process of licensing a cannabis business. And things don't seem to be much different when it comes to consumption areas. Earlier this month, for example, the Bernalillo County Planning Commission approved a proposed ordinance that would essentially ban outdoor consumption areas. The Bernalillo County Commission still has to vote on the recommendation, but it seems that banning an outdoor cannabis consumption area would not line up with the state law. And the Cannabis Control Act is pretty specific about what local governments cannot do in terms of limiting cannabis business operations. But there are plenty of things like hours and days of operation that local governments are limiting through local laws. Superintendent Trujillo has repeatedly said that those things are out of RLD's purview. So could a county or a city ban something like outdoor consumption areas?
3: So my read of the legislation related to this is that all of these sort of what the superintendent calls time, place and manner ordinances that local jurisdictions can enact have to be reasonable. There is some language in there regarding, for one example, they can establish reasonable density requirements that would say, you know, a cannabis business has to be every four blocks apart or, you know, a distance like that. And I've sort of, as an example, I've said, so like in Santa Fe, if the, if the city of Santa Fe had said, hypothetically, well, there can only be one cannabis established in every 60 miles, well, that's not really reasonable, right? And so I think our view would be that the intent of the legislators was to not allow counties to ban any of the cannabis establishments, regardless of what that establishment is. And so it's really a a question of reasonableness. You know, I think the law is pretty clear that a local jurisdiction could limit the hours in which a cannabis establishment could be open, what days they could be open, how that could work. But I think it would be problematic. and I think the jurisdiction might find itself in court if they chose to say, we're going to ban this outright.
1: One person at that county planning meeting Megan just mentioned was Erica Roland. Longtime New Mexico residents may recognize Erica's last name. Her grandfather started Roland Nursery, which was somewhat of a New Mexico staple for a number of years. Erica was a founding member of a local medical cannabis dispensary and now runs a cannabis consulting business. But she's also aiming to start what she calls a cannabis country club, where medical cannabis patients can come together and safely use their medicine and hopefully learn from one another.
4: So what I'm what I'm looking for is really to embrace the cannabis lifestyle that we have become so accustomed to as being patients. We are parents. Now that's a sticking point, you know, children on the property is against the law at this point. So I'm going to try to work with legislation this coming year to get that at least addressed. But um, that aside, a destination for you and I to have a, a meet and greet and me to show you, you know, the medicine I grew or the medicine that I just purchased. And for us to be outdoors, music, picnic, atmosphere, you know, just wellness induced, um, potentially, you know, yoga and other outdoor classes of gathering and a destination, a place you want to come back to and a place the stigma doesn't remove the luxuries of your regular life.
1: Erica spoke at that Bernalillo County zoning meeting and asked commission members not to approve the proposal without some major changes, including allowing her to have an outdoor space where patients can freely smoke cannabis.
4: You are still a person that is able to, you know, be a parent or be a farmer, and and any walk of life is is allowed. So. Within the membership club, you would receive cannabis working through loopholes of or not not necessarily loopholes, but just, you know, how the how the words read, you know, if the if the medicine could be purchased prior and then they bring it or they pick it up here, but it was already their property because they purchased it prior. You know, zoning is is very difficult. Bernalillo County is obtuse and difficult and hard to reach and hard to openly converse with and trying to say, you know, why should we we be forced back in the cannabis closet? This is a place of lack of stigma and um, just trying to embrace that.
0: There's some pretty uh, obvious challenges for consumption areas, namely that we don't have the big picture on what is and isn't allowed. But what sort of challenges do you anticipate with your specific model?
4: So the first challenge is insurance. They don't, I mean, I want to insure it as a farm. It's a five acre piece of property, tree lined, very private in the middle of town. An urban revival, kind of heritage farm and the obstacles being zoning, permitting, Um, neighbors are on board. I mean, we are going to be a cooperative. We are currently, you know, gifting a half dozen eggs, you know, per week to our our people that are interested in, in joining the mission. But it's constantly speaking with people that maybe are opposed or feel like they've been forced to make regulations for a law that they weren't ready for. And so there's been a lot of talk of I know the governor wants this, but we were really rushed, and we really don't like to be put in this position. And so, stalling is an issue. Insurance is an issue. Um, liability, yes, but if you you know you have waivers and you're a community and you've all agreed that this is your community garden that you're sharing, maybe you know maybe that's enough liability protection. Um, those are the things that I see. What
0: purpose in your mind would these consumption areas serve for non-patients?
4: So, I mean, I'm going, me personally, I'm just going to venture into the medical cannabis grow division and medical cannabis, because it is so new. Consumption is so new. I would like somebody to not just show up and take an edible. I'd like them to be a patient. I'd like them to have had some element of, I'm interested in this. I'm going to educate myself instead of I'm just gonna show up for a good time. I'm honestly not looking for that. It's offensive for me that they're, they're putting us in the zones of taverns and bars when they specifically say there can be no alcohol consumption or no cross owning of alcohol or um, liquor licenses.
0: Andy, I have to say the description of what Erica is going for seems to be pretty in line with what Dr. Zerlo said about the potential for medical cannabis consumption areas.
1: I would have to agree with you there. The other thing that a lot of people agree on and what seemed to be one of the original intentions of medical cannabis consumption areas is that they would offer a safe place to use cannabis, especially if you happen to live where smoking is not allowed or if your housing is tied to federal funding and you're not allowed to even have a federally illegal substance in your home. Erica said there aren't currently a lot of options for folks in those kinds of situations. Don't
4: tell the police this, but the safest place is your vehicle, to be perfectly honest. I mean, if you're traveling or you're passing through, and that's really where I want to offer for my farm is a safe place, you know, in multi-states, like a duplicatable, you know, safe place that you can rely on the way it works, the way it feels, the way it vibes, all of it. You know that you're in California and you're going to the same feeling.
0: The idea is, is interesting to um, sort of have a place where specifically patients can come and exchange information and spend time with the medicine that they bought. So um, yeah, but uh, it's not what I think a lot of people think about when we're talking consumption areas.
4: You know, so no, um, Colorado has dabbled in it. They've tried vape bars, you know, in California, I think some people are doing it right with food and with, you know, that whole winery infusion, you know, immersion experience that's that's how it should be it's a craft it's a farm um we we have so much to learn from it still let's embrace it instead of just already just put it in this little box and say it has to be HVAC separate building and you have to check in and everyone smokes the same thing like i just what 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 So
0: I hear uh, you saying they're trying to basically take what we've got in terms of a regulatory structure for bars and for liquor establishments. So is that at all applicable? Are there things we can borrow? There are.
4: There are. Yeah, because there's going to be those people that are like, I'll meet you at the at the dab bar and I'll out dab you. Yeah, that's 100 percent going to happen. And how how are we going to keep those kids safe from the edibles that somebody took home from the dispensary and do happen to look strangely like something else. Like, those are the real, definitely the real things. Um, they put THC mandates on the, the gummies now. Um, they're working through those things. And that's all I'm asking for. Again, it's an open conversation. You know, if, if, if we can prove, and that's where I wanna do a prototype, if we have pay, as patients can prove that we can do this responsibly, like we can do a little club, everyone can do their best behavior, then I think let's let's try that instead of just saying, you know, it's only allowed in certain places that there's very few of those actual zones and and making it a, a dark back alley experience from the get-go. I, I, it's adverse to um, removing the stigma in any fashion.
0: Consumption areas don't seem to be on the Bernalillo County Commission's agenda just yet. So it's hard to say when they might consider the zoning commission's recommendations, but when they do meet to discuss the issue, Erica plans to be there front and center.
4: Let's uphold what we've been doing so well with, that we've been protecting our, our state so well with federally not being, being protected, being below the radar. Um, let's keep up that, that mission to um, be responsible and not blow the doors off this,
0: New Mexico's liquor law allows for private clubs that serve alcohol and RLD oversees alcohol regulations. So we asked John Blair about his thoughts on opening a private club that serves as a cannabis consumption area.
3: I'd have to look into that. You know, So yes, the alcoholic beverage control division is here at the regulation licensing department as well. I would need to learn more about that law. I mean, I think as long as everyone is complying with, with the cannabis laws, you know they're only selling to people 21 years of age and older they're complying with the d johnson act they're complying with the linen air and compassionate use act if they're complying with the law i don't know that we would necessarily preclude that from happening we just want to make sure again that we're doing all we can to, to protect all new mexicans whether they're using or not using it in kind of the best case scenario but it could be you've made me interested in it so i'll i'll talk to our folks to look into it because i think again we want to do what we can to ensure this industry thrives and that it's able to create those good jobs for New Mexicans, whether it's a movie theater or a, a micro cannabis establishment, or a, you know, the sort of a private club. So we'll see.
1: There's another issue that's at play when we talk about allowing designated places to smoke cannabis, and that is the state's law on smoking in general. Enacted in 2007, the D. Johnson Clean Indoor Air Act made some significant changes to New Mexico's smoking law. D. Johnson was the former wife of Gary Johnson, who served as governor of New Mexico from 1996 through 2002. Before passing away in 2006, D. Johnson was a strong advocate of anti-smoking legislation. Representative Deborah Armstrong seems to share similar concerns about smoking and is known for sponsoring a number of healthcare-related bills. Listeners might remember that Armstrong also has a personal connection to medical cannabis through her daughter Erin, who has battled cancer for years and who was a major force behind legalizing medical cannabis.
5: My daughter Erin, who is named in the act, the Lynn and Erin Compassionate Use Act, is a cancer patient and who was diagnosed when she was a, a teenager with thyroid cancer that had metastasized pretty extensively. And she um, from
1: the... Representative, thanks for taking some time out today to speak with us. My pleasure. Uh, you were one of the co-sponsors of the Cannabis Regulation Act. And as listeners probably know, your family is all too familiar with medical cannabis and why it's important. Um, while consumption areas were actually established in a 2019 medical cannabis bill, It seemed to get a little bit more attention in 2021 in the Cannabis Regulation Act. And I believe you were the one who raised some concerns about how consumption areas intersect with the D. Johnson Clean Indoor Air Act. So given your background in public health, can you remind listeners what your concerns were and how those concerns impacted the final bill?
5: Yeah, um, thanks for the question. If I recall correctly, there wasn't any mention of that when it was first introduced. And so it was an issue that I raised about not wanting to increase um, smoking and vaping and so forth, and it being confusing because you don't know if you're vaping cannabis or vaping cigarettes and the uh, vaping isn't allowed under D. Johnson Clean Indoor Air Act. So we added a provision in there really that's going to mirror and make it, you can't, you can't smoke cannabis anywhere you couldn't smoke cigarettes. So um, it has to be a, a designated area. It can't be in a work environment where um, the fumes would go from the consumption area into uh, the area where workers are, and, um, or any other kind of a public place where it's otherwise prohibited by um, the D. Johnson Indoor Air Act. And so I think it really just tracks with where you would expect, and no, you can or can't smoke cigarettes will be the same for cannabis.
1: So in other words, if you were to open a hypothetical coffee shop consumption area that you couldn't just make the whole thing smoking because not everybody wants to ingest it through smoke. Right.
5: right? I, I think, good. yeah, I think we have a model of um, uh, cigar bars for smoking. We didn't specifically reference that. So I, I don't I don't know that we could model that even for this, but potentially where it's unknown. And the entire thing is designated and you're not expecting anyone from the public to otherwise access it except for that. So, But you wouldn't want a general outlet or retail for cannabis that anyone would want access and come into and the whole place can also be. Uh, smoking or that it gets into the manufacturing area or or whatever. So,
0: And the cannabis control division will have to come up with the rules and regulations for these consumption areas while also balancing health and safety concerns. So what are some of your concerns about consumption areas?
5: So I think we have to be um, cognizant as we do research and have more experience on driving and um, other things that that there may be uh, you can't serve someone who's obviously uh, not intoxicated if you will for lack of a better term at the moment with cannabis I would guess that they're going to do some of those, but I I think it'll be watching as, as uh, things evolve. And as we know more about that, lots of products, as you know, are not smoked anymore, lots of edibles. And so we may not have the smoking issue, but you might still have an issue of someone is consumed too much and is going to go then get in their car. So um, I expect to see those things kind of evolve.
0: What are your thoughts on banning outdoor patios that allow cannabis consumption?
5: Oh, well, um, I think it'll be hard if you have designated smoking areas outside, not allow for cannabis. Um, You're just gonna have to go by smell and check what if people are vaping or whatever, check everything. So I think that gets kind of hard for enforcement, but you know, you can certainly limit, um, I suppose, where those designated areas are. But I mean, people, I'd like to see less smoking overall, period, (laughs) less tobacco use.
0: Do you think would outdoor consumption areas fit within what the law allows?
5: Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe there's, you can be a little bit more strict um, and, and try anyways on, Uh, consumption that cannabis has to be very strictly in a consumption designated consumption area designated smoking area where um, smoking is designated areas around buildings but it's open if you're walking down the street or you know in a park or whatever the law on cannabis says a designated area Mm -hmm. So you may be able to, where smoking is just around buildings, so there may be able to be a little bit more control of where is a consumption area.
0: Andy, the complications with rolling out the legalization of recreational use cannabis seem never-ending.
1: Yeah, it really seems like every time the state or a local government addresses an issue, there's another one lurking around the corner. And of course, for every regulation, there will be plenty of conflicting opinions. And this is all leading up to a statutory deadline of April 1st to start sanctioned sales and presumably consumption areas. John Blair
0: did tell us that RLD's intention is to beat that deadline, which adds another level of urgency, I'm sure.
1: It sort of stresses me out thinking about it, and I'm just an observer. Uh, One quick thing to update for listeners, RLD just last week put out a call for applications for the Cannabis Regulatory Advisory Committee. You can learn more about what that committee does by checking out the episode where we interviewed a few members of the committee. If you're interested in becoming a member, check out the Cannabis Control Division's website, and we'll leave a link in the description. And earlier in this episode, John Blair mentioned a rulemaking hearing for production, retail, and courier licenses. That hearing is this Thursday, October 28th.
0: In another episode of Growing Forward, a collaboration between New Mexico PBS and New Mexico Political Report.
1: Our music is by Poddington Bear and Christian Bjorkland. Our logo was designed by Katherine Conley. And as always, a very special thanks to our producer, Kevin McDonald. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you'll be updated when new episodes come out. We're also trying to spread the word about what we're doing, so don't forget to recommend us to your friends. Also, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And as always, feel free to drop us a line with episode ideas at growingforward at nmpbs.org.